the girls. And today we have an amazing, beautiful, lovely guest, Miss Levon Morris Grant, but known to everyone as Mama Grant. She's a philanthropist, a mother, a author, a spiritual worker, a leader, a speaker, internationally known on the microphone. Yes. Jersey May, Miss <laughs> Mama Grant. So definitely tune in. She's gonna have a lot of things to share with us to inspire you all and to help you work on who you are inside. Yeah. So I know, and this is like a major reason why we really wanted you to come on the show. You have a story to tell that other women go through. Um, and some of them may not know that they're going through it. And it may be it's when it's at the end that, you know, when it's, it might be too late or it's really time for help. I want you to tell your story. And then I definitely want you to like give us, us here, the women on the podcast, some advice. Like what should we do? You know, are there mm. signs that we could look mm -hmm. for? Yeah. Just go ahead, introduce yourself, your story, and let them hear this. Cause okay. It's deep. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll take your word that it's deep. <laughs> it's I let deep. other people put words to what they believe my story is. I don't define it because right. it, it happened to me. And then right. you hit people differently. Right, right. Yeah. And so I don't define it. I, I, But I, I receive what you're saying, and I appreciate that. And that you will think I have something to say that'll help, you know, so many other women. I always appreciate the opportunity to be able to do that. So I have a lot of stories, but I know which one you want. <laughs> so I've been through a lot. So the, the biggest um, story when we talk about talents and skills that really propelled me into my purpose, mm -hmm. or me knowing my purpose, was unfortunately when my husband shot me four times. And so before I get to how I got shot the four times, we're talking about domestic violence. Right. That's what we're talking about. So we always, um, I think I was talking to Kenu one day and I was telling her that language is very important. Mm -hmm. And so we have to call things what they are. Mm -hmm. Opposed to saying, well, he hit me, he did, mm -hmm. he cussed me out, you know, he, he didn't give me the money. Mm -hmm. It's domestic violence. And there's mm -hmm. different forms right. of mm -hmm. domestic violence, which could be, uh, everybody always, always knows about the physical. Right. But you got the physical, you got the financial or the economic, you got the... Uh, the verbal, mm -hmm. the mutual, mm -hmm. the mental, the emotional, which mm -hmm. emotional, mental, and pretty much go right. together. Right. Um, and then you have the cultural abuse. So you have many forms. They play out differently. And the only one that's criminal is the physical. Right. So that's that's one of the main reasons why people just see that. But I, I'm going to tell you all, the verbal is just as mm -hmm. devastating mm -hmm. as the physical. Mm -hmm. And... And I have to add this in as I share my story of what happened to me so you all can, you all and your audience can have a better understanding to some degree. This is not going to do everything, but it gives a better understanding of what, what may be going on in your life, right? So, so when you look at the verbal and he hasn't even cussed you out and cussing you out for me means calling you a B, mm -hmm. out of your name. Y'all know the customers, yeah, right? right? All, all of the oh, MFers, the, the, the C's, the, 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 I can say ho, the hoes, like, you can say what I just do. that. Yeah. Yeah. But just saying you're ugly yeah. and calling you ugly every day, all day, just saying nobody else is going to want you mm -hmm. every day, all day, just saying you're fat all day, every day, just saying you're stupid. So, right, I haven't even cussed you out. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women get stuck in understanding what's happening because they're looking for one version, mm -hmm. 
but it's coming from this angle. Yeah. And that's abuse. And it, it turns truly into abuse because it's not about that you didn't have good self-esteem, but it does play on your self-esteem. Because it, that's right. If the person that's supposed to love you unconditionally, as they yeah. say they do, I'm using man to woman, heterosexual relationship right now, right? right? And that person sees you that way. Mm -hmm. I don't care how many 50 million girlfriends tell you how beautiful you are, how gorgeous you are, how sexy you are. You're going to hear that person. Right. His voice is going to magnify him 10 times over your family, over anybody else saying whatever it is that is powerful about you. You're going to hear that and it becomes a tape recorder. And if he's saying it every day, all day, at some point, it must be true. So if that doesn't play on someone's self-esteem after a minute, right? After years, months, that's what begins to deteriorate. So when it gets to the physical, you so stuck in believing nobody will ever want me or I am stupid. Mm -hmm. I, I can never break this. I can never go be with anybody else. So now he got you. Mm -hmm. So the, manip the manipulation continues, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the abuse. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, I didn't have all that. And so that's what I just shared with you was the pattern. Right. That's a pattern of abuse. But everybody doesn't have that pattern, and I didn't have that pattern, mm -hmm. which made mine so unique. Uh, we had the verbal. <laughs> so I'm going to tell a story. We had the verbal, and when my husband would call me a stupid bitch, my response back was your mama one. Now I'm not. I don't. I don't uh, <laughs> suggest that. I don't condone that now. Cause, but, but what I do is I just try to get the story. Right. And so we went back and forth like that. We had a lot of verbal, uh, verbal incidents like that. But again, I didn't know language. And you was a project kid. Right. So my thing was, even though I was educated, I was still uh, a project kid. Mm -hmm. So you could be educated, mean I had I had a degree. But I, my mentality was still for Project Care, right. right? And my husband had a degree too, and um, and so I didn't know as a Project Care growing up, you, I, as long as you don't hit me, was our response. Yeah. See, you could. What's that song? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt yeah. me. But names do hurt. Mm -hmm. Names hurt, and and so we went on like that for for many years, and I think it was when I turned thirty. I just finally got to a place where I'm just tired. I'm just tired of this every day, all the time. Um, but I never felt like his words were beating me down. I just, I just was tired of of communicating like that. Of being like, we are thirty now. We have three kids. <laughs> like we're not in our twenties. Like we should be doing something different. Yeah. And and so I started seeking that something different. And when I began to seek that something different, I, I can say to you all now, it began to intimidate my husband because I began to change. Mm -hmm. I began to change. I started going to therapy. He didn't want to go to therapy. And I, because I, something, there had to be something greater. I remember telling God, if this is the best you have for me, I don't want it. Mm, yeah. And I was at $100,000 by that time. You know, we were well into our, you know, uh, material stuff. Uh, he was a deacon in the church. I was a deaconess in the church. Like we were, we were seen as one of the epitomes of our community, right? These two young people, two educated young people, two poor, Escaping educated. Poverty. Yes. Mm -hmm. So they we were, themselves. we were well into 
the title, you know, the, the title yeah. of what looked really good. Mm -hmm. And then I left. <laughs> you know, I left. I took my, took all three kids, but then I came back. And after, I think for a few days, I came back. And I, I just said, I can't do this. I just, it was like when I came back, I could feel the weight in my house right. on me. Like, oh, it don't feel right here. Yeah. And I left, took my younger two children with me, Marquise. Excuse me, not Marquise. He's my oldest. I took Corey and Sharia okay. uh, with me believing I would come back. <clears throat> and we went up, we left Jersey and went upstate New York. Now in that time, a whole lot happened and for the sake of time, like y'all can ask me different questions. But for right now, I left, I stayed left or I stayed gone for 10 months. But in that time, I had to send the, my children back to my husband because I went under the poverty line. And, and coming back 10 months later to visit to get the kids ready for school mm -hmm. because uh, back up north, school starts in September. Right. So I went back home. I went back to the house to help get the kids ready for school. I mm -hmm. uh, went back on a Saturday. School started on that Monday. And I was going to be there from Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Go back upstate and come back as often as I could mm -hmm. because in the process of the story, um, he allowed my Jeep to get repossessed. So I didn't have transportation. Okay. So I came, I was like, okay, I'll come and visit right. him. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And, and when I got there, he was angry that I was there, I guess, because I didn't ask his permission. But in my mind, it's my house. Mm -hmm. I don't need to ask permission, in my mind. Not knowing that his control or his mental state or his whatever had changed, mm -hmm. right? And so that night, that was a Saturday, um, we got through that <laughs> the next morning, which is Sunday. I'm preparing for me and my children to go to the church upstate where I live at. Mm -hmm. And I was going to bring them back down uh, for bed to get ready for school the next day. And he can go to whatever it is he does. I wasn't coming back to be a wife. I was coming back to be a parent. Yeah, yeah. And that's very important. And the other thing I want people to understand is at the time, my husband was a really good and there was nothing wrong with a man taking care of his children outside of the mom not living there. He was the better parent financially to allow our children to, to stay in their home, to stay in the lifestyle that they were used to. I did not have that to offer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at that time. And that is okay. <laughs> so you was working it out. Right, right. So I was working it out. I was trying to find some tools to figure out how to get all three of my children back. And, and and get him to do the financial piece that he was supposed to yeah. take care of, even if I ended up going to the court system. So that Sunday morning, he wants to have a family meeting, and I'm just like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> no, I don't want to feel me. trying to go to church. Right, I don't want to. Yeah. I'm not trying to. I don't want to give the kids these, this falsehood that we're going to be back as a family in right. that way. Yeah. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And I think he knew I, I was real clear and I was real strong on that. And I was already accepting that we probably were going to end up in divorce. Mm -hmm. Because in that 10-month time, we had not made a decision mm -hmm. <laughs> of what yeah. was going to happen as far as the marriage was concerned. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the first time I kind of was like, no, nah, I don't okay. want this. Mm -hmm. I was rediscovering this LeVon and I was enjoying whose LeVon was. I didn't want to be married anymore and it was just... And he didn't want to change in the beginning. And now it was like, I don't care if you do change. change you do need to change. Because everybody needs to be a better person of themselves. Mm 
right? Or can work to be a better person of themselves. But I didn't want to be married. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I would applaud your change. And so he, he knew that. And so whatever was playing out in his mind, like I can't say what was in his mind. All I know is for me, I was done. He came back downstairs. And I remember sitting, I was sitting in like a recliner. No, it wasn't recliner. I was doing Sharia's hair. And Sharia was four. I had just washed her hair. And she was sitting between my legs in the recliner. And she only had on her panties. And I was going to cornrow her hair because it was still wet. And I was going to cornrow it. And my husband came back downstairs and something just said, you know what? I, I'm thinking we're going to just have an argument because you only go to what you know. The worst thing that can happen is an argument. And I was like, I don't feel like arguing with him. Let me. So I got up and I, I remember getting up from the recliner, walking to the stairs, which is where he was. Mm -hmm. He moved to the side because now I'm going to try to find the rats for Sharia's hair. So she, so I could throw some quick ponytails. Mm -hmm. Instead of doing all the cornrow, and I'll cornrow it. Right, like let me just try to hurry up the yeah. process. Yeah. Like I gotta do that baby hair, mm -hmm. right? And um, and let me um hurry up the process and get us out the house, and I'll cornrow her hair when we get upstate to my apartment. Mm -hmm. No problem. So as I go up, he moves to the side, but I notice he's not dressed for church, which is weird because his church started traditional time eleven, mine started at three. Mm -hmm. And it is 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, so yeah. So I'm like, why is he not dressed? Why he still got on his jeans from yesterday? But I don't have time to, work. I have time to analyze that and figure that out. I go upstairs. He follows me upstairs. He asks me again for a family meeting. And I'm just like, no, no. But I'm not looking at him. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. And um, I'm just like, leave, just leave me alone. And I'm jumping from dresser to dresser trying to find barrettes that maybe I left around the house mm -hmm. from the 10 months ago, yeah. just to try to uh, uh, get it into Sharia's hair and get back downstairs. Well, he we standing at the dresser, facing the wall or the mirror, and he's standing next to me, and I'm looking on the dresser for the barrettes, and I, he says to me, are you going to talk to me now? I'm just like, what is he talking about? So I turned to look, to you know, to look at him mm -hmm. to see, like, what? And when I turned to look, there was a 22 caliber gun pointed at my temple. And I went to turn my head to say, her, no, before I got to know why he pulled the trigger. He just pulled the trigger, mm. point blank range. That bullet struck me in the back of my head or right behind my ear. And it is now lodged over here somewhere. The children are downstairs. So we got Marquise, Courtney, and Sharia who are 14 seven and four. They're looking up as their dad is shooting me. He then shoots me in my thigh. I run, I run to the door to get out the bedroom, to get, to get out. Mm -hmm. He then shoots me in my butt. Now, as I'm telling y'all about these bullets, I don't know I'm being shot. Right. I'm just telling y'all because I know what happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, the, the only bullet I know about is the one in my head. Right. Because that's, that's, that's the first bullet. Yeah. Now, the bullet in my head, I was dying. I really was dying. I was 34 years old. And I remember standing there saying, oh, my God, I'm dying. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm dying. I haven't done anything yet. Mm -hmm. and I'm dying. And from a spiritual place, I, I, I promise you all, I feel like I went to the spiritual realm. That's what I call it. Mm -hmm. Everything slowed down to a nothing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a minimal. It was a whole, I, 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 I promise I was transported to another place 
that I've never experienced in my life again. And I remember hearing my spirit, it was in the back of my head. I remember that it was above me and I'm standing there with my hands on the dresser. I believe they were. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying, I'm dying. And I could feel the blackness of death moving through my body as I'm dying. I was like, wow, I'm really dying. And I could hear my spirit say to God, they have this conversation saying, God, please don't take us yet. We have too much to do. And I'm like, what is that? Like I, And when it, because spirit has, needs a body to live in, right? So the next thing I know, I felt what I call a, a bolt in, in the book. I, I call it a bolt of lightning. It, it struck the top of my head and it jolted my body. And when I came back up, I was back in the natural realm and I was alive. The, the death had stopped. The bullet had stopped. I had to tell the doctors where the bullet was because they couldn't find it. <laughs> and I just started running. Yeah, you got wow. I just started running and I, I know spirit was leading me and I that's when I ran out the bedroom and he shot me in my butt and you know, I always say, I always say thank God for a black woman's butt. I tell y'all, <laughs> I tell you all day. And <laughs> he shot me in the butt. Oh my God, he shot me in the butt. <laughs> and I just, I literally dove head first down the stairs. All I had on was a, it was a Snoopy nightgown. I remember, I loved that nightgown. They had to cut it off me. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, I dove down the stairs and I'm holding my head. And I'm swimming and I'm screaming, Marquise, Cardi, Sheree, away from me. Mommy's coming, mommy's coming. And I'm swimming down the stairs. Two things I learned was in life, the things you used to do, it comes back to you when you're in trouble. I was a great track runner and I was a great swimmer. Mm -hmm. And so I was running and swimming, getting out the line of fire. My husband shot at me all the way down the stairs. So he shot me again in my foot. Mm. He broke uh, this toe on my foot, um, but I don't feel it. The other bullet, he shot into the door because when you get down to the bottom of the stairs, when you, the door is right there in front of you. Right. So I guess he expected me to jump up yeah. and open the door, which that would be the sense of it. But spirit, I'm telling you, I stayed low. <laughs> I stayed, I crawled literally around the banister into the living room. My kids got ready to go into a panic of crying. I'm like, no, no, we ain't got time for that. <laughs> we ain't got time, let's go. Yeah. I grabbed my kids and we went running all the way to the, through the living room, dining room, kitchen to get to the back door. It's as if this is the way the house is, house. Mm -hmm. You're running to get all the way to the back, the back of the house. Let's say the door right there, you're running all the way over there to get to the, right. to the door. So I'm running to the back of the house to get out. I got us out and I tell them, I, I busted my neighbor's house. I feel so bad. And I just say, Herbie shot me, Herbie shot me. I'm going to die. Please put the kids in the basement so they don't see me die. Because I'm, I'm thinking I'm only shot in the head. And so TV tells you, or life tells you, if you're shot in the head, you know, you won't be dead. Yeah. So I know I'm dying. I know I'm going to die any minute. And I was like, just put my kids in the basement. Please don't, don't let them see me die. Please don't let them see me die. And so the kids go down to her basement. She was my friend. So I knew her basement was finished. Mm -hmm. So the kids go down. And I literally crawled into the kitchen to lay on her floor to die. And I just laid my head down. My head wasn't, my hair wasn't locked. It was permed, mm -hmm. but I hadn't even combed it out yet. 
Um, so, so, yeah. so you know how you don't comb it out. It's almost like curly. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. you know it was long, but it was just still you know. Yeah. And so I laid my head down, and that's when all the blood started pouring out my head. So you weren't bleeding before. No, then. I wasn't bleeding before. Okay. And I, I laid there, and I just said, okay, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Yourself, yeah. Excuse me. I feel like because you told yourself that, like, because initially you were like, I don't want to die, so you were, you weren't bleeding, you were. Okay. I don't know how that happened. Um, like, even the like doctors, I don't there was know. no blood all over the clothes. The, the nightgown I had on, there was the blood was in my hair. You know, when I washed yeah. it two weeks later, um, all of, or a week later, however long it took, mm -hmm. you know, all the blood was matted, you know, in my, in my hair because we still never combed my hair. Just shocked, including me, that I was alive. Let, mm -hmm. let alone, you know, what my hair right. uh, looked like. You know, so the doctors don't know what to do with me. Um, like I'm shot. I, I discover when the paramedics get there, I'm shot four times, right? And I'm just like, wow. But in that, my my husband shot himself, right? He shot himself mm -hmm. once in the temple. Now I've known this man since I was 14. We wasn't dating. We just knew each other from high school, and we then ran track. And I even went to his senior prom, which was a big thing for a sophomore yeah, to yeah. go to a senior prom. Um, but I didn't like him like that. <laughs> I just wanted to go to the prom because it was on my birthday. When you're 16, you know, you're proud. You're right, that's a prom. Like, oh, it's on my birthday. So, yes, yeah, we're going to, I was 15, and then I was going to be 16 that day. Right? So, yeah, that was it's a big part. Yeah. That's, that's like, hey, we got to, I don't go to this prom. I don't care. Who I go with? Right. <laughs> that wasn't that was that wasn't even the issue. It was just me getting there. And so, but he was a nice guy. And so he shot himself, and they rushed us both to the hospital in New Jersey, in North New Jersey. And um, he ended up passing away two days later. Mm -hmm. uh, his brain was shattered, but his heart was still beating, and he uh, passed away two days later. And you all know Biggie Smalls, right? Mm -hmm. So I was in the hospital with Biggie Smalls when Biggie broke his leg. Wow. So we had the same doctor. And my um, Biggie was on, on the seventh floor, and I, I think I was on the fourth floor. And my doctor, I remember this, he always he kept saying, Miss Grant, that's a big boy, Miss Grant. Miss <laughs> Grant, that's a big boy. And he was like, we don't know what to do with you, Miss Grant, because Biggie, when he broke his leg, he had like seven hours worth of surgery. And I barely had anything. He was like, Miss Grant, you were shot four times. We don't, the bullets didn't do anything to you. And I was just like, the only one was the one in my butt. <laughs> the one in my butt went into my stomach. And they couldn't find it. So it passed from your back into your, so you know, in that area, you got a lot of organs. Liver, kidney. Yeah. Couldn't get anything. Your spleen, your intestines, your spine, well, it, everything. So they had to do what we call exploratory surgery. I mean, it's a big cut, a long, wide cut. Oh, boy, messed up my perfect bikini shape. No. <laughs> and so to find the bullet in, um, what ended up happening, again, with God, with spirit, when they lifted up wherever they thought the bullet was, they thought it was in my spleen or intestines, it was just laying there. It didn't touch nothing. It did no damage. They took it out. And um, sold me back up or stapled me back up, whatever. And um, that was that. That was the most I had. So I was in the hospital from Sunday to Thursday. I spent like four days in the hospital. 
There was nothing physically, literally, there was nothing physically wrong with me. I had a cast on my foot because the right. my foot was broke mm -hmm. and I had all these staples in my stomach. But to look at me, you would never know that I was, you would never know when I was shot four times, particularly my head. And that, what I want to really say about that experience, though people always get excited about the bullets. And that's cool. That's cool. Who's getting excited about? But the, when you people just like to hear that that the drama of it. Yeah, okay. But for me, it was the emotional aspect mm -hmm. because though there was nothing physically wrong with me, and it wasn't emotionally for years and years and years, I suffered for a long time emotionally, mentally, uh, of dealing with not knowing how to grieve this mm -hmm. man I loved who tried to kill me, mm -hmm. who's the father of my children. That I got these three children who are young. I have to figure out how to raise them. I have to figure out a whole new way mm -hmm. of doing whatever we were doing because up until that point it wasn't working, mm -hmm. right? So when these children still deserve someone a chance at life, yeah. right? They still deserve better than what me and their dad gave them. I had no tools for that. Yeah. My culture didn't teach me no tools for that. Nobody in my space knew how to deal with being shot by your husband or almost killed. Mm -hmm. And like, what what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. And I remember saying the guy was on my mom's couch. I remember saying these bones will never live again, ever. These bones will never, ever live there. I have nothing to offer to the world. And I definitely have anything to offer to these three kids. And I was so mad with God that God didn't let me die. I was just like, God, you should have just let me die. How dare you? How dare you? Allow me to live by what someone else did to me and then now make me responsible for figuring it all out. I was so angry about that. And I felt like my kids were so much better off without me and that other people would have figured it out, which they would not have. But mm -hmm. um, but I did. I, I, I continued therapy and I, I, I learned some new skills. I learned healthy ways of how to raise my children. I learned how to emotionally nurture them. I learned how to hold them accountable. I learned how to let them know that just because this circumstance happened to us, you will not use this as an excuse for why you cannot be productive in life. So I, I, had to, I had to constantly talk to my kids and constantly talk to them and reaffirm them as kids and let them know that as their mom, as their parent, I will protect you, uh, that you love your dad. Please love your dad as you knew your dad. But you, you do not ever justify his behavior. Mm -hmm. Do not ever justify his behavior. You hold him accountable so that you hold things, you call things as they are, not as you want to fantasize them to be. Mm -hmm. And I knew if I did that with my children from a young age, by the time they got older, it wouldn't be this, oh, if mommy and daddy, if daddy was still alive, mommy and daddy could get, would still be married. No, we're not living in that fantasy. Right. So I really believe I worked with my children based on their age of what they could understand because they were there. So I can't say, we can't act like this ain't happened. Right. As a lot of us do in our community, right? We act like things ain't happened. We think if we don't talk about it, therefore, yeah. then we wonder why we as adults and the children, everybody is acting out as yeah. we want to call it. But we acting out of a, from a place of pain, yeah. of serious pain. And, um, and so I, I, I knew that, you know, I, I understood that. And and Marquise, uh, three years after the shooting, he came down here to Georgia, went to Morehouse College. Corey graduated from Creekside because we, we lived in Atlanta by that time. 
and he went on to Morehouse, but then he ended up in the military, in the Navy, doing well, married with two kids. Yes, I gotta, I gotta send him that. I haven't even talked to him today. And Sharia, <laughs> good old Sharia. Sharia was, Sharia was the catalyst. Her behavior really was the catalyst of what brought us to Atlanta. Uh, so it was nine years by the time I got here. So Sharia was four. We got here when she was twelve. Nothing I was doing in a healthy way was working for Sharia. Nothing. And and as a parent, well, I know for me. I looked at the weakest link in the relationship. And Sharia, you have to go to the behavior of the weakest link. Not that she was a weak person, but her behavior was the weakest link. So it don't matter how good I'm doing up here, mm -hmm. when down here don't look good, or if I'm doing good down here and up here don't look good. Mm -hmm. They say that you're only as strong as your weakest, weakest link. link. Right, mm -hmm. and so I, I remember saying to Corey, because I knew he was gonna be most impacted of us leaving New York because he was, a, he was going to be a junior in high school. Mm. And I remember saying, Corey, we gotta go. We have to go, we have to leave here in order to save Sharia. How do you feel about that? And um, he was like, I'm cool, ma. Corey and Sharia are like two peas in a pod. Mm -hmm. They can read each other's minds. They drive me crazy with that to this day. They drive the whole family crazy with it. They're so close and that, that's great. And, and I talked to Marquise, and even though I think Marquise was in Florida at the time because he had graduated from Morehouse already. And I was just like, I think we're gonna move to Atlanta. And um, I don't wanna go south, <laughs> but that's what's showing up of what I could afford. Mm. And um, I said, I'm not a Southern girl. I don't know about this South thing, but I, have to, I cannot afford to lose another person in my life. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I said, okay, we're gonna go. And I, I remember talking with God. I had a lot of conversations with God. Okay. And I said, I got five years. Because she was going to be 13. She turned 13. I said, I got five years yeah, to right. get it right. Yep. Because if not, her behavior was already uh, bordering on criminal behavior. But she had a mom who advocated for her and she was too young. But I knew if that behavior did not change, it was going to grow. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you in pain, and I guess as a child, Sharia was very smart, she still is. But what Sharia wanted, she, the negative behavior brought her instant attention. It brought her instant gratification. Opposed to doing the right thing, that may take some time for somebody mm -hmm. to notice. <laughs> no, Sharia figured out her own system. And I remember crying so bad one day because I, for the first time in my life, well, wasn't the first time, but I just felt so helpless and hopeless as a parent. That, oh my God, I don't know how to help this child. She's 12, and if I don't figure it out, I'm gonna lose her. Or she's gonna end up pregnant. And not to say pregnant is a bad thing, but that's just not what I wanted for my child because she was not in a position to have nobody's baby. And I I just was feeling like a failure. So when we talk about empowerment, remember I said you have to find different tools. So the tools I had before weren't working. Yeah. <laughs> They're right. Yeah. Whatever the empowerment stuff and the healthy stuff I was doing, which was good, yeah, they just wasn't working for Sharia. Yeah. So now it forced yeah, me yeah. to yeah, find some other tools that was going to work for Sharia. And I didn't know what that was. I really did not. The move here, I, I didn't know how that was going to turn out. 
I didn't know what those next five years was going to do. Hoping for the best, though. Yeah. So, you know, I tried, and it worked out, because Sharia did go to college. She went yes. To, I was just like, oh, Jesus, you going to college? Okay. No, Maybe don't, don't tell really. I said that. <laughs> so, Sharia um, brought it up to Rhea. You know, she still is. I, just, I am so proud of her. I shared with someone, I literally lived part of my life through Sharia's college years. I had so much fun her calling me, <laughs> telling me all the things that was happening in college. But the biggest thing, I couldn't tell her this, what I was really listening for, yes, I loved living through her at college because I didn't get that. I went to night, mm -hmm. I went to college at night. I listened to how she was growing and how she was thinking and what and how she was coming up with her choices. Mm -hmm. So as a parent, that's what I'm listening for. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting back saying, I have ne I was so proud of her. I had never met a twenty a young twenty-something year old woman to have the amount of confidence that she had the amount of leadership and knowing who you are that was just astonishing to me that this child who was my child had to know it all about who she was and what she wanted out of life and and how she was going to get there and I was just like wow I didn't have that you know at 20 I didn't I didn't even have a clue I told y'all at 34 I'm dying and I'm just like, I haven't done anything yet. Right. And here this 20-something year old baby has some good stuff. And and I, I am honored to know as a parent that I know I was a part of that. But she had but she discovered a lot of that through her life experiences of going to college mm -hmm. and, and seeing what she can do and where she could be. And by her sophomore year, the change was in. Mm -hmm. The change was in. And I could breathe a sigh of relief of the other shoe was not going to fall. Right. And, um, and she's just been moving forward. So now that completed the, the grant family of the trauma, right, mm -hmm. of the healing mm -hmm. process. And I remember when she graduated, for the, I, had, I was able to finally write the second book after she finished, which is um, Who Will Speak for My Children, Healing Through the Trauma. I had written the first book which, uh, some years ago, um, Who Whom Shall I Fear, Spiritual Journey for Battered Woman, but I could never write the second book. But as soon as Sharia graduated, I wrote the second book in six months. Ooh, inspiration. And yeah. so, yeah, so, you know, people use your story as a tool of empowerment, yeah. as a tool of life experiences, of helping other people. So even though that all falls into domestic violence, is bigger than that mm -hmm. because I, I really take that from a place of healing yeah. and I help a lot of women I want to believe <laughs> to, to figure out ways of how to uh, get to the healing process mm -hmm. even in the worst of the worst that women have been through and and knowing that healing is possible mm -hmm. right regardless of what it looks like and you don't have to measure your healing against my healing to say, well, I ain't been through what you've been through, but it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Don't ever minimize your life experience because somebody else's seems bigger. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I may not could have dealt with you punching me in my face on a regular, you know, or breaking my arm every other month or whatever. I may not could have dealt with the physical of the abuse. Whereas I've met a lot of women who have been severely physically beaten, but they still surviving and thriving. That that man that couldn't I don't think that could have been me. So my husband shooting me, I always make a joke. I make a lot of jokes, but like shoot me any day. You know, shoot me any day. But don't don't keep punching me in my face all day. Yeah. You know, that 
or punch me in my stomach or or that's no we can't I, I, I can't handle that and then I was a fighter so mm -hmm. I don't know what that would have looked like Bad. being a project <laughs> and not only was I a fighter I'm going to get my whole family to come jump you or whoever's yeah. around I'm going to come jump you so you know I don't know what that would look like <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I, I, I see. Go ahead. I I'm just so touched by this. But but there's something so powerful in your story that I really took away and that's language. So it start you started off and you tell us about these verbal things that people can say to you and the effect that, that can have on your relationship and mm -hmm. your self-esteem. And then you also turned around and say, I was able to affirm and speak to my children and talk to them. So as far as healing goes, because that's really where the empowerment comes from and the healing. You told me that before. Okay. That there's some, there, the empowerment is really, you know, being able to kind of heal yeah. and get through that. So, like, how, how has language, how have you been able to speak so well yeah. and then so engagingly about these things? Ooh. Wow, that's a really good Are you question. Ever afraid? Am I ever afraid? Like, initially? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, you know, afraid, not not in the sense that I think it's going to do something to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. but afraid in the sense that, oh man, what if this don't work? <laughs> you know, um, afraid that I've got to do something different again, mm -hmm. and, and, and what if I don't feel up to it, yeah. right? Because it, again, it falls to me, right? So it's just like, dang, I'm tired. Yeah. And if I don't do it, then I'm afraid what else would, what, what the other side can happen, right? Yeah. So afraid in that sense. But once I take a deep breath, it may take a day, some days, whatever. Like, okay, you, you, you got to find a way. You know, you, you, you got to find a way. So the healing, the healing, healing is a process, mm -hmm. right? It's a process. So at my age of 50, 50 plus, I'm still healing and, and, and it may not be from always the same thing because uh, different experiences pop show up in your life mm -hmm. yeah. that you even thought you healed from yeah. and, and you probably did for the most part but some things may still show up or something might happen and it triggers that yeah. thing and, right and you're right like, indoor some something new may happen to you mm -hmm. yeah you know something something new you know you may at my age at this point you know god help me I may lose a sibling or, or a parent, you know, so that's another, so that's something new. So you always have, you always, something is always there, you know, to keep us growing. So I always take life experiences, good or bad, as a way to keep us growing, right? Because what you don't want, you don't want to stay stagnant. You know, you, I'm very spontaneous, so I don't want everything just so, all the time, not all the time. You know, so like the house, like you all made me feel so good because y'all love the house. My house don't look like, like this on a regular. <laughs> and yes, I'm telling about myself. I have, I have papers all on the couch because I don't want to go in the office to work. You, I threw the stuff in the closet. Like, <laughs> so we gonna just be real, right? So like. It ain't like just because I'm healing and because I'm helping all these people that I'm here and I got it all together. No, I can't. No, I'm putting on this nice stuff like this necklace killing me, right? Girl, take that necklace off. No, because it's so cute. It is. It makes the outfit, right? So you have to suffer. Right. 
learning that as a woman, you really have to just like be strong all the time. Yeah. And you can't really show, I'm not even going to say weakness, but like too much vulnerability. So in your situation, what can you say may have been like one of the biggest strengths to help you keep on that face to stay strong? You got kids watching you, you know, you got other people watching. What are some things that help? So it's going to be the opposite of what you just said. Okay. In all honesty, was showing my vulnerability. That helps. Oh my God. Because so show that you pissed off because sometimes oh, you yeah. pissed off. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Showing the vulnerability. I I think I wrote in the book or one of my books, but I know I've said it in speeches. Like I gave up the black woman's super superwoman's cape. Okay. I gave it up. I'm not carrying that, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to allow our culture and society put that on me. In order to say I'm a strong woman. Thank you. Yeah, I needed that. I am. I am a great parent. Yeah. I don't need nobody's confirmation on that. I don't. If nothing else, if I do nothing else in my life, I know that. I know. I know. I raised three wonderful people to adult. Now, what they do in adult life is what they do in adult life. Yeah. Because all I'm here to do is guide. Mm -hmm. I'm raising. I'm done. <laughs> I, I give advice if you ask. Yeah. If you don't ask, I sit back. So we have a group text chat. That's what they call whatever yeah, we yeah. have. Sometimes I don't even respond to my kids, whatever. I keep them moving. Yeah. Like that ain't for me. Right? Even though I'm part of the group, that ain't right. for me. But and, and and it does come from a place of maturity as you as you get older where you really don't care what other people begin to think. Yeah. And it may come from a place when you're a little younger because of what you may have gone through. So for me, going through a near-death experience, I don't get two hoots. Yeah. About until you walk in my shoes. So for instance, people used to say to me, Oh, LaVon, I wanna be like you. I wanna I wanna be this great speaker that you are, whatever. Oh, I wanna do what uh, you got two books. Oh my god, you're like I said, you see the aftermath mm -hmm. of what you think is accomplishments or what, mm -hmm. what uh, success looks like to you. If you want to be like me, you want to take the four bullets too? Yeah. You want to take the whole community hating you because they blame you for your husband's death? You want to take the whole church coming against you because they blame you for your husband's death? You, you, you got to take all of that to be like me. Because, because to get to what you see today, I had to go through all of that. Mm -hmm. And so going through all of that, and you still young, baby, so you, you'll get there. I don't care how, my vulnerability is my strength. Mm -hmm. Because what I've learned, and this is for all of y'all to hear for real, and your young, particularly black women and young people, what I've learned is that when I'm vulnerable, I know I'm not the only one who's going through this. Yeah. No matter how we dress up, no matter how much hair I buy, no matter how many locks I grow, no matter how good I may look, whatever, no matter how small I am, it does not matter. It does not matter that in this space, I could still be sad because I still got some things I got to work through. And I find more strength with other women that we both are going through something or maybe the same thing and we can help each other through it. Right. Opposed to me sitting here. Mm -hmm. And like this necklace ain't killing my right. neck, right? Like my neck too big for this necklace. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so just really, it just, just, and 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 the word authenticity is my is the the new empowerment word actually. Right. Um, but that is a word I truly embrace mm -hmm. because authenticity and transparency is a form of healing. 
and people may not recognize it that way. But when I can sit here with you all as young women and, and share whatever it is you think I'm sharing, that's healing for me. Yeah. That lets me know, like, wow, God, the generation behind me, they, they, they got some substance, yeah. right, regardless of what the world is showing, mm -hmm. right, that, that there are some black women out there that's going to come up the rear and continue to fight, whatever that fight, you know, may look like. You may not go into domestic, it may not be domestic violence, it may not be social justice, but it will be where I can look within myself and see that I need some help and I can go deal with the mental health that I need because that is so important. Yeah. And so that, that that's a cultural thing of that strong black woman mm -hmm. I don't know how about it, but I'm going to ask you to recite it, but I do like a poem. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it is a myth. And so as young people, don't get caught up in the myth of thinking, showing everyone how beautiful you are, how much hair I could buy, how long I could get my hair. Whatever those outside material things are, don't worry about that. I mean, it's nice to have the eyelashes, I guess. I would go blind with the eyelashes. But the eyelashes and the, <laughs> and the fingernails and, and whatever we do, right, to to show whatever that facade looks like. And ain't nothing wrong with that. Don't get this. Nothing. If that's what you like, you do it. But the same way you put time into that, put time into the internal mm -hmm. self of reflecting of who I am. Do these eyelashes really make me happy? Am I okay without the eyelashes mm -hmm. to walk in my strength, to walk in my power? Mm -hmm. Am I okay without the flowy hair? Right. Am I okay in my natural state of hair? Right? Mm -hmm. So like for instance, I'm gonna take this down, right? So this is look, this Ooh, is my hair. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, long too. So this hey. is this is my natural hair. Yeah. Right? It's just got long. Um I cut the front because it got on my nerves one day. And I just cut the whole front. Not one day. Falling in my face. So you know, but I could put it up, right? Mm -hmm. And and it and it, it make me look a little different. But this is my natural hair. And you and everybody does what what they want to do, but am I okay with my hair? And yes, you know, am I okay with my weight? Yes, but do I need to lose weight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, just and I'm on that and I'm on that track, mm -hmm. right? So it is those kind of questions we have to ask, like, oh my God, I can't go out with no no eyelashes. Oh my God, I can't be seen without my nails. Mm -hmm. You know, not. It's, that's when I think things like that become a problem when we think those things that we add to our beauty mm -hmm. is what our beauty really right. is, and it's, and it's mm -hmm. not. How are you okay in all of your nakedness, physical and um, spiritually, right? Mm -hmm. Of uh, metaphoric. How, how are you with all of your beauty being naked in front of yourself? Mm. And those are the ways we move towards healing, right? And um, the question you asked around young women and the, and the, the, the superwoman thing, the, the strong woman. And strength comes in a lot of different ways. So as you grow and as you all grow, you have to find that for yourself and decide what, what in that am I gonna break for, it to be, for me to be okay mm -hmm. with it? Because I'm still a strong woman and I didn't bear half of my soul, but I know I'm a strong woman. I don't need anyone to affirm that for me and confirm that for right. me. You just have to know that. And keep moving forward and let people believe whatever it is they they gonna believe. Yeah, yeah. So as a young parent, one thing I would suggest, and that's for all of us, what whoever you are as a parent, stay consistent. 
-hmm. Stay consistent in what you say to your child. Stay consistent. And from, from a baby, that child will know that by the time he or she is five years old. Mm -hmm. Sharia will tell you, she has never heard me say yes. I never told her yes. It was, I don't know, maybe we'll see. And if whenever she asks me something, because what I'm not going to do is say yes, and then I can't deliver yeah. for whatever reason. So it's always, I don't know, maybe I'll see. Mm -hmm. And I just, even with all my children, I stay consistent. I stay consistent with the value system. Nobody could date until they were 16. I don't care your gender. 16. That's you, a good age. Though. That yeah. is, you need to get to know your emotional self That's first. Tough. Your hormones are raging. You don't know what you have. You don't done. know. You just thinking. And so a lot of, and, and particularly in the work I do as a, as a social justice advocate, I've seen a lot of people, young people committing suicide because you get so caught up into someone else's emotional mm -hmm. state that you believe you can't live without that person. And I get it. For the moment, it, do feel, it does feel real mm -hmm. to the teenager. Oh, my God, my whole life, I can't live. And they go and kill themselves because they have not been in touch with their own emotional self yet because they, they got so caught up in someone else. Yeah. And so by the time my kids turn 16, they didn't even care. And they didn't say they didn't sneak and did. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not naive to that, yeah. but, but they knew you could not bring that person here and there was no phone calls. <laughs> no, no phone, no. So you had at school. That's right, I had, right, <laughs> and that's it. right. I had one, I had one phone in the house since Sharia was five years old. They was like, how you manage with my phone? It was my phone. Right. I didn't have to manage. Right. I didn't have to manage nothing. I, I used to hear parents like, I can't get Alicia off the phone. What you mean you can't get Alicia off the phone? You go play. You go play. I give my kids knew with the one phone. When I needed the phone, you had five I gave you a five minute warning. I need the phone. I come back at three minutes. I'm getting the phone. So they like you not clear. Well, my son wasn't on the phone, so click. But I didn't say bye. You right. You didn't. You had five minutes to say bye. Bye. Get my phone. Right. And that was, and that, you know, so as a parent, you, there are things you can control. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you have to control some things and manage some things and be consistent. And that, so when I did the phone thing or the, the age, the uh, dating thing, that was across the board. It wasn't because he was a boy or she was a girl. No, no. We're not playing no gender roles. Gender roles here. Mm -hmm. I'm the mama, and I told my kids, this is not a democracy. This is a, this is a dictatorship. And I am real clear about that. And I remember telling my son, you are middle class because I choose to share my benefits with you. <laughs> but when you graduate from Morehouse, you're going to be poor. Right. Because you got to figure out how to put yourself back in this status, not me. So those are, just being a mom, right? Those are just, and some things come up as you go along and you, you get to see from the personality of the child, right? Of how you're gonna work with that. But for me, consistency was the key uh, with, with my kids. And, and it has workers to this day, they know me like a rock. They was like, that's right, don't make mommy your A plan because you know mommy not gonna be your A plan. You can't even make her your B plan. If you get in trouble, don't make me your plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the A plan oh, to help you pay your rent. No, no, no. <laughs> what is your plan? You make me, I'm your C plan. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day my son did not believe me. He called him, he was living up in Washington, D.C. Mom will have money for rent. Mm -hmm. Oh, I do. What happened? 
well, I had to do this, that, and the other. I said, well, your rent was supposed to be more important than this, that, and the other. So now he's going to get an attitude. Well, I had, I couldn't do that. I had to do that. And that's okay, son. That's, I'm, I'm glad to know that. But you got the money, Ma. I sure do. It's mine. I don't know what to tell you. So he was so pissed. Oh, he was so pissed. Well, bye. Bye. I went back to whatever I was doing. <laughs> he called me back a day later. Hi, Ma. See, attitude right. change. Oh. Ma, I just need $200 because he went and got a plan. Mm -hmm. See, he went and got a plan. He got the majority of the money he needed and asked me to give up the real. Okay, son, yeah, I can help you. You see what I'm saying? But don't go spend all your money and, and have all the fun yeah. you want to have and, yeah. and don't take responsibility. But I'm being responsible and now you want me to be a part of your emergency. No, no, it's not going to happen. So they're like, y'all know mommy, mommy, mommy. And that's just being consistent, right? Still being consistent. And even your adult children will try you. <laughs> even, so I remember you, they, they know I don't like to babysit. I'm not that grandma. I'm not her. Mm -mm. Hi. Mm -mm. Okay, bye. I mean, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. No staying tonight. They have, you know, my, my grandbabies, I have two grandbabies, they have stayed back, but, but they know I'm not the number one plan. And I know the people in your pockets are like, oh, gee, she mean. And it's not about paying me. It's just like, that's not my space. My grandbabies are 18 months apart, and I remember they were running and running. I just said, what did you Excuse me. Can y'all just sit down for five minutes? Please. Just stop. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a different bag for everybody, right? Love my grandbabies. Love, love, love my grandbabies. And now they're older. They're eight and seven. You know, so we could do things. I take and get the nails yeah. done. You know, we could do things. But, hang but the little ones, I don't want to change no diapers. Like, I don't want... I don't want to make bottles. I don't want to get up at night. I did. All, I don't want. I didn't want to do it when I had to do it. Exactly. So no, you don't even want to do it. Right. So no, I'm not. I'm not trying to make cereal. And yes, I'm good at it. But just because you're good at something, don't mean that's what you want to do. Exactly. No. So anyway, but I love. I love my grandbaby. Right. <laughs> Right, but they know. Yeah, I was just know. my my kids know that our mother is who she says she is is yeah. who she is, and she is very consistent with whatever she says she's going to do. And um, and for them, I remember I think it was Corey. They always say, "Well, mom, we so thankful you are so resourceful because because of who you are, help get us through that trauma." Wow. You know, opposed to me just giving up mm -hmm. and wanting to go into a mental facility, which is why I beg people to put me in a mental facility. And um, so don't get me wrong, it ain't like I didn't try <laughs> to give up. So going through empowerment or going through healing, it's not like it's just a straight line and yeah. you know everything is working out. No, in the midst of that, I told you I was begging God, like why didn't you just let me die? You know, I was three years late, I'm having nightmares all over the place and I'm, I'm begging to go into a mental facility, you know, and I, don't, I wanna kill myself, you know, I, and I don't wanna die but I don't want to live either. Mm -hmm. And so the mental facility was the only place I could figure out mm -hmm. how I can go and be forgotten about, but I'm still alive and trust that maybe one day I'll get better. Mm -hmm. Right? So that was my thought process. So don't, don't think that I didn't go through the tribulations of the trauma just because the kids came out okay and like I'm sitting here now being beautiful no, <laughs> but, but whatever you know whatever it is I've been through but there were 
there, that, that was a, 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 a difficult, difficult time in my life, right? That was really difficult in my life, and particularly in the black community, we don't talk about anything. Yeah. You know, we, nobody talked about emotional healing, nobody talked about mental health or mental illness. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we again, act like it, that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And people are, people are having mental illness attacks all over the place, being mad. <laughs> You know, yeah. all over the place, and we don't know what to do with that. Yeah, because we done hit it for so long. Yeah. Right. So those are um, just some of the things I can give to you as a young mom and whoever else is a young mom that mm -hmm. be the best mom you, you can be and see things for what they are and don't think every little thing your child does is cute because it's not. Please. Because a, 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 a one-year-old cussing you out is not cute. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that the one-year-old even know the words is a problem. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at things like that, you know, and I watch people and they put themselves on Facebook and stuff. So stupid. And, and, <laughs> and they laughing and that's not funny. You know, it's, it's not funny. It's like, what are you going to do that your child knows this language? I'm like, at this age, imagine him at 13. Yeah. Exactly. Come cussing you school. out. Not just you, authority. That's right. And not only that, the, you done told me it's cute. It's on Facebook. Facebook done told me it's cute. That's right. So now when I'm in class and a teacher is telling me, oh no, this is not how you want to behave. You didn't have to be wrong. I lose respect for authority. That's right. Right. That's right. And now I got to worry about jail and all other types yeah, of stuff. Yeah, because right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't respect authority. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you got parents wanting to be their children's friends, which, mm -hmm. is, which happens a lot, that, that becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. I understood, I remember saying to my kids, I don't want you to be my friend. I would mm -hmm. never have you as my friend. I don't even like you like that. I love you, yeah. and I don't like you. And um, I have enough friends. That's why I tell my kids, I'm not your friend. Yeah. So you not liking me, good. We are the same place, because I don't like you either. Um, now, the three, my three children, we all best friends. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and that's great for now. You know, that they are adults, and, and it's, it's, it's great. But I remember with Sharia, she probably gonna kill me for this. When she was going, to, when she was in high school, she, every morning she used to have to come in my bedroom and show me what she was wearing. Mm -hmm. And this one particular day, I don't know what was wrong with her. <laughs> and I was just like, mm, no, that's not it. Go change. So she did. You know your attitude. Went back down the hallway, come back. I'm like, you almost there. <laughs> not quite. And she came back. Is this it? Bingo. You got it. Go on to school. Have a good day. Love you. Right. But I don't care about your attitude. Don't care. As long as you keep it to some in, in check to a point of respect. Yeah. You got your attitude. Because I'm the biggest attitude in here. So why am I going to get those all set over your attitude like that? Bill. That's right. I got it. Yeah. So she ran away one time and I just said, you don't got to run away, Google. Walk. Just you can walk right out the door. My mom just keep on. You don't ever have to run away. I used to be lying. I said because <laughs> I'm not gonna let you back, and defects is gonna call me and ask me why. Right. And they gonna ask me, do I want to work through a plan with them? Tell me no. You work through the plan with her. I, I'm on. <laughs> I, we I want to be. So you know. So children, <laughs> children. <laughs> knew. So she looked at me like, well, dang, my, well, it is the truth. It is. Like I, I didn't run away from home. You wanted to go somewhere that you thought was going to be better because whatever it is I'll be doing as a parent, you're not happy with. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to support you. <laughs> I'm going to support you in that. If happiness is better for you over there, go on over there. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's always funny with the psychology behind that when kids were like, 
dang, I thought I was going to hurt her. Right. You know, her you're not going to hurt my feelings. No. I'm good. One less mouth to feed. One less. And so she was just like, oh, something wrong with my mother. Yep. <laughs> yep. But um, but we we good really we 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 good and and the parenting that I did I, I don't want to parent no more children you know I I really don't I don't I've been parenting kids since I was nine years old and that's yeah. for real with my youngest brother mm. I don't I don't want to do that anymore yeah so it's hard work I'm like live your life yeah. I, that's why I, this is my yeah. glam room yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 and I appreciate you all being here so. I'm trying to live my life, whatever that looks like at 50 plus when you have grown children and you're trying to find other okay. journeys, yeah. other empowerment things mm -hmm. to do. And it's just like, wow, what do you do as an adult? You know, uh, besides the work I do, which that's great, mm -hmm. but what do you do with the social life? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that is, now that looks different in this day and age, you know, mm -hmm. being this age of a social life and and all the men my age want y'all. That's a real talk. And we don't want them. They want to date y'all, my uh, daughter. Uh, and I'm just like, mm, I'm mm. not going to go get a 70 year old. You want to say? Yeah, I'm going to go, how do you know? But you know what the men our age want? No. If we don't need them. Oh, okay. <laughs>
Just listen to him. Just listen to how he values or or devalues women. And I know you all got all these songs with all these negative words in it or whatever. And I know you all just say it's just words. And that, that may be true. But then how do you as the individual characterize that towards the women that show up in your life? Do you see the women in your life as hoes? Right. Do you see the women in your life as bitches? Or that they all bitches? And therefore you treat them you treat them that way. Right? Even though it's just a song, but how are you carrying it out? And the messaging. Messaging is so important because again it's language. Mm -hmm. Messaging is so important of how is it being carried out and vice versa for women, young women, right? How are we carrying out what we hear and seeing about men? Black men in particular, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever your preference is. So it's it's really important to find that out. And I think it's okay for men and women to be different, mm -hmm. but but to be a be upfront in that difference and understanding that difference. So you know how when we go into a new relationship, everybody on their best behavior, right? right? And nobody really saying what they really want to say. And and I and I'm not saying I, I, I am not the relation relationship expert because I got problems too. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I wonder, I know with me, I'm always up front. I'm up front in the sense that as soon as the person asks me what it is I do, it's going to be a dead giveaway. Like, I'm like, I'm a social justice advocate speaking out against violence against women. You're like, oh! oh. <laughs> like, Here we go! Right! Yeah, so, so a lot of times, I don't even try to bring that conversation up, like right. what it is that I do. Because what I do already... What I do is not only what I do, it's who I am. Yeah. You see? Just because you are an IT person don't mean that's who you are. That's just what you go to work to do, right? Yeah. But what I speak on is who I am. And the values around that is who I am. Around misogyny, you know, sexism. You know, I'm all about the uh, value of women, right? And, and I do want our men to, to get there and be there. So that me, 50 plus year old, I'm not looking like why we can't even get the first base mm -hmm. in a conversation. Yeah. You know, I went on the social, uh, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to tell y'all. I went on a, one of them dating sites. Oh my God. And <laughs> I was so <laughs> taken aback. I must have, I'm so outdated. And these are, they want to know when we want to have sex. What? Already? You don't yeah. want to know my name? <laughs> yeah, so it was, so the, the world is, is, is so different. And, um, and, and men and women, I, I want to believe, I know men are evolving and have evolved. I have to believe that, right? I have to believe that. No, I have to believe it too. The thing is, I just don't think that we give them this kind of space. Right. And the thing about men, too, that I've learned in my life, men can only deal with so much at a time. Exactly. Whereas we multitask it all over yeah. the place. And we shift it. Yeah. Men can only deal with so much at a time. If that's anything I could give y'all, mm -hmm. you know, and we can hold the argument. We are the best negotiators in the argument. Of course. But they can't, they're not hearing all that. They're not listening. So you both do one or two things. You hurry to get those one or two things in. That are most important. Yeah. And you leave the rest for another time. Yeah. I always say in my relationship that I have, if I can deal with you and love 85% of you, we good. The other 15%, that's on you. Mm -hmm. That ain't. But if, if we good at 85%, 
you have to take that as a win. Yeah. And if you do get one at 100%, well, kudos, even better, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm sure there's some people who believe their relationships are that, and that's great. I'm not knocking that. But all I'm just saying is that that would be my minimum, right? And then everything else would be up above. Up, yeah. So so just take them as they are. Uh, I always say if he's not beating you, abusing you in any form or fashion, which cheating on you is part of abuse, by the way. Those things, everything else is workable. Yeah. If it's communication, figure out a way to communicate. You know, uh, communication is easy to figure out. And um, just tell me what you want. Yeah. And I'll tell you if I can do that. <laughs> you gave us a lot. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, 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 we, yeah. That we wasn't expecting to get. Honestly, honestly. I yeah. Oh, yeah. oh. So we appreciate that. Oh, no problem. Honesty is all I have. I don't know what else to tell y'all. Right. I don't. I so, don't know how else to be. At the end of most all of our shows, when we have a guest, we always allow our guests to do a positive shout out. So, do you, whatever that positive shout out can be, mm -hmm. it can be some of your personal life, something mm -hmm. you experience, whatever the case may be. Okay, so I guess. I would what what I shared with my children, right? I would want to share this with your audience about no matter what circumstance that you find yourself in in life, one, just know it's temporary. Mm -hmm. It's just a circumstance you're in, and don't allow that circumstance to define who you are. Mm -hmm. So that's what I have to say. I would I would leave it with that. That's amazing. That was yeah. Also, let's talk about the little girl within. Did you do have a workbook that you just? Oh, I did. Yeah. I mean, I do. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I created T-shirts with it. With Sage, with your question about um, uh, some of the tools and and how we look at empowerment and how I told you we have each. As you get older, you find different tools. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I discovered, a lot of us around my age, we have a hard time moving forward. We find ourselves stuck. Mm -hmm. um, and even maybe younger, but definitely around your 40, 50-ish. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it is our little girl needs to be healed. Yeah. And so I created an e-book, which is my third book that I wrote. Mm -hmm. And it's called uh, Taking Off the Mask, Healing the Little Girl Within. Mm -hmm. And so I created the t-shirt with it. Mm -hmm. I'm healing my little girl within. And I have the arrow pointing up to mm -hmm. me. And um, purple and orange are, is my logo in my, in my name. So this is some of the other work I do around that empowerment and working towards healing. Where can everyone find your ebook? So my ebook is on what's that site? Gum Road. Okay. <laughs> we'll put a link. We'll post the link. We got I'll give you a link later. No, please don't ask me the link. I'm really getting to know the name. Yeah. I told you it's an app for everything. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but it's on Gum Road, and um, the book and the T-shirt are being sold as a bundle package. Okay. And um, I also do life coaching classes around the uh, ebook, okay. so they can hire me as a as a life coach to help work them through the ebook. Oh, man. Yeah. So that's that's the next step I've gone to yeah. in my life of journey and, yeah. and working to, to stay healing, right, mm -hmm. and working in my purpose. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. That's amazing. Thank all you. Right. Well, everyone, I know that you all are going to have questions for Miss Grant. Is there any way that um, they can contact you, email you, write you, whatever the case may be. So they can uh, email me at lsmgrant at gmail.com. They can email me there, which is lsmgrant at gmail.com. And hmm, 
Yeah, let's leave that. Oh, they can find me on Facebook. Let's, <laughs> right. let's, let's, let's find. Let's, they can find me on Facebook under the Walmart's brand. They can, um, what's that thing? Message me. Message me. I'm and a messenger. I'm, yeah, and I'm a messenger. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'm on Instagram under Life Coach at Bond. Anyway, they can find me. Look, I got all that. They can, I'm, I'm on this stuff, but yeah, 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 we got you. So they they can find me. I am on social media, and they can um, always, like I said, email me again at lsmgrant at gmail dot com. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, okay. Oh, oh, we almost forgot. We got you on the